You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. And so here we are as we continue this series. The story you live in is the story you live out. And we're going to continue that theme all the way through Christmas. So you got several more weeks of this. But I wanted to begin today with something very, very sacred to my heart. We have a guest in attendance today. His name is Harold Edwards. Harold served in the military, and Harold lives just across from us, right down the road. Harold, would you just lift your hand up and wave to everybody? There he is. There's Harold. Harold has become one of my dear friends, and I want to tell you a little bit about Harold. But before I tell you much about him, I want to tell you about the greatest gift that God gave him in his life. It's a beautiful woman named Rita, his wife. I did not know Harold and Rita until Harold called me one day. He just called me out of the blue. I didn't recognize the number. I know how most of you are. When you don't recognize the number, you don't usually take it. Well, when you're in my vocation... You, you take the call. Even if it's a weird area code, you take the call because you never know. It could be someone in great need. And so I took that call and had the most lovely conversation with Harold. Harold would tell me about his wife, Rita, and that she was terminally ill with cancer. And he really didn't know how much longer she had on this earth. And that she wanted the assurance of her salvation, and she wanted to be baptized. And I don't exactly remember our conversation verbatim, but I believe he asked something to the effect, can you do this? I said, can I? (laughs) And so uh, he told me where he lived, and I could not believe. They just live across the street right over here. I don't know if you know how close John and Anastasia live and Pete and Greta, but they live right now. They can walk to church. You know, how nice is that? So can Crystal and Joshua and their family. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So he asked if I could come over and meet with them. They had looked up our church, found us online. I think they watched a service or two. That didn't scare them away. And um, so I showed up at their home, beautiful home. I love the artwork in the home, by the way, Harold. I don't know if I told you that. And Harold greeted me, and we we went upstairs to where Rita was, and she was in her chair in the bedroom. She was very weak. She had just had a treatment. She had a hair wrap on, but she was beautiful. I mean, I looked at her, and I could immediately discern that not only was she physically beautiful, but that she was, there she is, not only was she physically beautiful, but She was beautiful on the inside. And I believe that Harold thought we were just going to have a consultation, just a visit and talk about baptism and faith and all that. Well, he didn't realize that I had brought with me a flask filled with water from the Jordan River. I had it with me. We talked about baptism and what baptism meant. And Rita was ready. 
She was ready to be baptized right then and there. And Harold went and he, he got a towel and had it ready. And after sharing with her the meaning of baptism and, and being part of the family of God and God's claim upon her and her recommitting her life to Jesus, having that assurance of faith that she wanted to have, I believe Harold also had that moment as we met. I asked her, do you want me to sprinkle you? Or would you like me to just pour it all over you? She said, pour it all over me. And so she was in her seat, her chair, and I, I poured it all over her. She even took her wrap off and I poured it over her. I said, Rita, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said more than that, but I don't remember because it was God's words that came after that. But God took over in that moment. He was the divine actor in that sacred moment to the point that where Rita came out of her chair. You remember that, Harold? She came out of her chair, and she lifted her hands, and she worshiped, and we embraced. And I don't know if I tried to hand her a towel or Harold tried to hand her a towel. She says, I don't want that towel. She said, I want those waters to continue to flow over me all the way down to my feet. That was a holy and sacred moment that I'll never forget. Folks, that's what God's called me to do. That's what I get to do. It is a privilege to be an instrument of His grace. And the beauty about Misty Creek Community Church is it's just not me that's been endowed to do that. Or Doug. And he does a beautiful job, doesn't he? You are the ministers. You're an extension of the body of Christ. We had a teaching on this. Our, our mission team, that was our whole theme in Ecuador when we were there. And we knew that this body of Christ was praying for us while we were serving across the world. And we were connected in that way, connected to the vine. And so it is a beautiful thing when I can be a part of what God is doing and I can get out of the way. And I would encourage you to do the same, that whenever he prompts you to do something for him, it could be the smallest little nudge. I mean, barely nudging you. It would behoove you to be faithful and listen to that still, small voice and that nudge that God is giving you. Now, a few weeks passed, and Harold experienced the earthly loss of Rita. And I want to say earthly loss because that's what it was. It was the earthly loss. And when you lose someone who knows Jesus Christ and they've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, when you lose that person, whether it's your daddy, your daughter, your mama, your spouse, a dear friend, as hard as that is, it's just an earthly loss. And earthly losses are big because you can't hold their hand anymore. You can't hug them anymore. You can't have those conversations anymore and share in the soon-to-be-made memories. But you can have the assurance that they are in eternity, that they have encountered and received the promise that Jesus made to us. When he said, in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. And I go to prepare us the place for you. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that? That's out of John 14. And if you fast forward a little bit in that, he goes on to say that I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to send a comforter to you, an advocate to you, the Holy Spirit. And so when we lose someone physically, our earthly loss, we can rejoice knowing that they are experiencing no more tears, no more suffering, no more tragedy, no more Alzheimer's, no more lung cancer, whatever it may be, that they are healed and they are whole. And God can help you be whole as well through the Holy Spirit and through the body of Christ reaching out to you and caring for you. And that's the kind of church this is. Have you noticed that, folks? If we know you have a need, if you have a loss or a surgery or whatever it is, we're going to respond to you, not just with casseroles, and that's nice, but we're going to respond to you with an embrace, with a phone call. Let me encourage you not to just text if that's what you like to do. Folks do still like to be called. Folks still like to be visited. You know, we've got folks in our congregation that just had a loss a week ago, two weeks ago, a brother, a mama, a wife, an uncle, a cousin. Those are huge losses. And we can be part of the healing process. I want to tell you this, folks. Time isn't the healer for your loss, but it takes time. And grieving can actually be a beautiful thing if you lean into the Lord and let the body of Christ minister to you. And so when Harold called me again a few weeks ago and shared with me that Rita had passed, had an earthly loss, he said, we want to have a, a, a service here for her, for her friends and family and people here in Atlanta. He said, I'd like for you to come and speak and open it up. And I went. It was the Singer Center that's not far from here over in Roswell, off Roswell Road. And man, the room was packed, Harold. It was packed with people. And I met some of his amazing family and friends, good-looking people too, and the best country soul cooking you could ever experience. Right, Harold? What you trying to do to me, man? You know, I'm eating there, and then I'm going to do, you know, speak at uh, Carolyn Wasserman's service, which is over at Ray's on the River, and they've got a, a seafood extravaganza going on over there. And I'm like, I've got no chance. <laughs> I loaded up both places because that's what pastors do. Okay? Yep. We eat, and it was good. So that day was a powerful, sacred day because we weren't depressed and sad. Instead, we were celebrating we're celebrating two beautiful lives in one day. And then the last couple of weeks, Karen has accompanied me. We've had weddings to do and other funeral services to do. And every weekend it's been filled with something. But it is a privilege to be able to celebrate the most high and holy moments. And then some of our most sad moments. But that can turn into joy and laughter when we begin to share the memories, when we begin to look at the pictures and, and gather with family and remember that loved one. And I'm going to say this to you folks. Every person is deserving of God's grace and they're of sacred worth. And when we lose someone, they deserve to be remembered and celebrated. 
no matter how much we disagreed with them, no matter what their viewpoints were, all persons are children of God created in His image. So I want to share a few thoughts with you, and we're not going to go real long today, but some thoughts I believe that continue from last week. Because, folks, there's a lot of, a lot of sadness in our community, in our congregation. And I know where the focus is with the media, and I know what's happening across the globe in a very sacred and holy place, and we're not belittling that at all. But I also don't want us to forget that there are great needs right here in our community. And we can reach out to our brothers and sisters, whether they go to Misty Creek or not. And regardless of their faith, we can reach out to them and show them what the body of Christ looks like and is all about. And that can really change perspectives, folks. When they see the love of God moving through His people in the most amazing way. So we can respond to grieving Christians by reminding them that believers step from death instantly into life with God in paradise, where they are home and well. Now maybe you have a different thought about that. Maybe you think there's a a waiting period or there's purgatory or all this kind of thing. Let me share with you what Paul says in Romans 14.8. It just so happens that our men's Bible study is gathering back again after a two-week break. We're meeting tomorrow night at 7. We're continuing our study of Romans. Men, if you've not joined us yet, young men, older men, middle-aged men, come join us at 7 tomorrow night. You don't even have to have the book yet. Just come be with us because we're going to be diving into Romans And just so happens we're studying one of these passages. And this is Romans 14, 8. It says this, If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. We belong to Him. Whether we live or die. And I want to share this with you. God grieves with and for those who grieve, feeling their pain and sharing their suffering. Did you ever think about God like that? That he too grieves with you? He shares in your suffering? Don't believe me? You remember the shortest verse in the Bible. We all probably know it by heart. John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. He wept when he heard that his friend Lazarus, his good friend, his buddy, had died. He wept. You know what weeping is, don't you? That's not just the little goosebumps you feel when you watch a Hallmark movie. I mean, this really means you're shedding tears. You're sad. You're sorrowful. And then Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Many of you know this, and I'm going off script here. But this is what the Lord says to you, O Israel. And I may not do it exactly like that, so don't corner me outside and say, you didn't quote that exactly right, Stephen, because there will be one of you. I know who you are. But I, this is a great translation, and I think I'm going to go, go NIV on you here, which is similar to this one. Um, He says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Let's stay there for a second. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. He's telling you that. I've redeemed you. Nobody else has. I have. I have summoned you by name. Some translation says, I have called you by name. Look what it says. You are mine. Nobody else's. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, 
your Savior. Did you see that last one? The Holy One of Israel. Israel, your Savior. He knows you by name. He's called you by name. You are His. You are not your own. And He is the one writing your story. If you will surrender to Him and let Him do that. And not try to write your own story because your own story will end with the waves consuming you and the fire burning you up. But when you let Him write your story, then you can overcome anything by the grace of God and the power of God which exists within you. So those who grieve will see those they love again in eternity. Now, there's a lot of false teaching around this kind of thing, but I truly believe, based on what I have read from Paul, based on my study of Jesus, based on my study of the Scriptures, that we will, receive our, we will see our loved ones again in eternity. What that will look like exactly, only God knows that. I don't know, but only God knows that. Look at this passage of Scripture that Doug shared with us last week. He shared this whole chapter with us. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Don't you love it? The old order of things has passed away, and he's doing something new. God is in the business of making all things new and renewing all things. Don't you feel old sometimes? I need him to renew me. He can do that. He can touch you and heal you. More than just a physical healing, folks. A big reason why people aren't healed today is because they don't let go. Let go of some things in their life. And aren't you thrilled to know, there's about five of you who know this, that beginning in January, we're going to go eight straight weeks on a sermon series called Follow the Healer. The men don't know this yet. The women might. The men in this church are going to do eight straight weeks of studying Follow the Healer. Who's the healer? Jesus. The women in this church. Eight weeks, maybe longer. You know how the women are. They're going to do Follow the Healer. We're doing this together as a congregation. So I want all of you, everybody in here, guess what? The youth group. Is going to do a series all of January, most of February, follow the healer. And I believe that you're going to be set free from so many things that are binding you and keeping you from receiving the healing God wants you to have. And many times it's unforgiveness. Many times it's loving who God created you to be. I'm giving you sort of a taste. We're going to study specifically the five ways that Jesus heals. Every bit of what we're going to learn, what you're going to hear, is biblical. All of it. I'm not going to sing that song. You're thinking about it. Let's get biblical. I'm not going to do it. I did it. I can't help it. That's the spirit of Robin Williams in me. It's still there. So let's get the Holy Spirit back in control of the room. Because you understand that when you first walked onto this campus, that right away, Jesus not only had you, but he has the room. And if you're watching online, he has wherever you are, in that car, in that living room, on that hike. And so let's keep going for a few more minutes here. So listen to this. God redeems all that he allows. 
God redeems all that he allows in this life and in the next. You know someone who lives out Romans 8.28 about as good as anybody I've ever seen is Valerie Scott, our prayer servant this morning. What a testimony she is. And she shared this with us. And here it is again, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He does. He can work good in everything. Yesterday on the marriage retreat, one of the first things that our facilitator said, Rod Intrican, that he makes beauty from ashes. Beauty from ashes. He redeems, he restores, and he can do that no matter what the situation is. And how about 1 Corinthians 13, 12? For we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Can you just look at that for a moment? Read it to yourself a couple of times. You know, in that moment that I was standing before Rita and, and Harold, that in that moment, I felt like I was in the full presence of God and I felt like I was fully known. And I have a good inkling that Rita did too. And I have a good inkling that at that moment that Rita went ahead and said, Lord, I'm ready whenever you are. To have that assurance, to have that confidence in your faith, no matter if you're a kid or an adult, to know that I'm ready. No matter what happens, I'm ready, willing and able to serve you now, Lord, and to go with you whenever you decide to take me. I'm ready. But I'm going to love as much as I can with the love of the Lord, everybody that I come in contact with. I'm going to share the true story of the gospel with everybody I encounter. And they're going to see the Jesus in me before they see me. We live in a me, myself, and I, self-centered, self-gratifying world. You want to talk about a sermon that will step on people's toes next Sunday? You need to tune in if you're not going to be here. Where Get Jeff to get you some steel-toed boots, okay? I'm sure he has some extras. You're going to need them. I'm going to need them. I'm wearing some hiking boots today, but they're not good enough. Because next week, you're going to learn exactly how to minister and love the misguided and the misinformed. And there are a lot of folks that are misguided and misinformed. Man, oh man, get ready for next week. But we're not done with this week yet. But almost, as I saw one of you looking at your watch, I know who you are. You'll get a message from me later today. Okay. So he promises to supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He promises. Why are you so concerned about your needs? Oh, I know you. You're concerned about your wants. We know that. Jesus never said he was going to supply your wants. I mean, every now and then there's a bonus and you get your wants. Christmas is getting ready to be here. What if right now you decided this Christmas, instead of buying all these gifts and all, we're going to give an equal amount to the church that we would normally spend on family members. Instead, we're going to give an equal amount to the church. 
whoa. And let God take that gift and use it for his glory. Or we're going to spend what we would spend on each other on this child that we're going to adopt from the Salvation Army. And I'm not going to just adopt one. I'm going to adopt two. I've already adopted one. Thanks be to Christina for messaging me. And you want to know why I'm adopting this kid? Because his wish list is, I want a basketball. <laughs> Save that one for me, Christina. I want a basketball. I'm going to get him the basketball of all basketballs. I'm not getting the El Cheapo at five and below. Nothing against five and below. You've gotten gifts from me from there. I know you have. But this kid's going to get the basketball of all basketballs. Matter of fact, it might even increase his ability. I might even get him a shirt that says, I jam, therefore I am. Or I may get him one that says, Jesus Christ is life, everything else is basketball. Or maybe I'll get him that shirt on the back that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Or maybe I'll get him, you know, the notebook cover that says, are you ready? Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. That was a little side note. But I'm going to invest what I might normally spend on other people into someone who really needs it and would appreciate it. I'm going to give in that way. Just begin praying about that. Thinking how God can use that gift to bring great joy to someone less fortunate. And so he says, I promise to meet all of your needs. He assures us that he has plans for our welfare and not for evil. But Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it by heart. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And if we skip down a little bit, he tells us another powerful passage. If you, the mind of the sinful man or woman is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace for the person who has the mind of the Spirit. And then Jesus tells us in John 14, 27, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There we go again. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. He says it in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, in a beautiful way. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and I will give you rest for your weary soul. Anybody in here got a weary soul? Come on, you know you got one. You're weary. You know that song, Weary Traveler? Don't be weary anymore. Let him fill you up. Let him breathe into you the breath of life and make you new and whole again and redeem you and restore you and revive you. But Stephen, all this sounds good, but what do we do when God does not seem to supply our need? I mean, really. You know, next week I'm going to go deep into a teaching about this. Folks use the excuse sometimes well, I don't want to live this way or be this way, but God hasn't done anything to change me. Or God hasn't intervened to help me through this. So I guess it's meant for me to be this way or to choose this lifestyle or to choose this mindset. Man, I'm going to do a teaching next week that I don't believe anybody else is going to teach about because they're scared. I've got a bumper sticker. I don't have it on the car. I'm going to put it on there one day. I'm not scared. You've seen it before. I'm not scared. 
I'm not scared to preach the gospel and the truth. And the truth sometimes stings, but that's okay. Because many times we need that. We need that conviction to realize, well, I can't get over this because I'm not fully surrendering. But if I fully surrender, then I might not have that urge anymore. And I kind of like the feeling of self-gratification. I like the feeling of when I look at this or do this or say this or live this way. See what I'm saying? If we all gave into our self-gratification, what would our world be? It's already becoming that way. But then anything goes, right? But let's go back here to how God supplies our need. You may say, God, he's not supplying my need. Where can I go to find future? The future or hope? When we feel we have no peace and our hearts are deeply troubled. Well, this is what you do. First, you sit with your grief and let the Holy Spirit intercede. You just sit with your grief. You just sit. Just sit in the presence of God. You don't have to do this. Oh, you don't have to do that. Oh, that's what you need to do. I guess you could. But just sit in the presence of God and hold your hands out and say, God, here I am. Just you and me. Would you speak to me? I'm open to hear you. But most likely, it would be hard for you to do that more than a minute or two because you've got your cell phone in your back pocket. Or it's right here. Or there's another distraction. Or you got two kids on your lap and you got another one. You know what I'm saying? You just got a lot of things going on. You and the Lord need time to sit together in whatever you're facing so that he can bring healing to you, so that his still small voice can become more of an audible voice to you and guide you and direct you. And many times right after that, you get a phone call from somebody who's uplifting you or a text, I guess, if that's your thing, or a meal. Or God just reveals a scripture to you and you're like, whoa, or a devotion or a song. I mean, when Spencer was singing that song, I just saw the countenance of the Holy Spirit over him. I didn't see Spencer anymore. I know I'm embarrassing him at the wazoo right now. <laughs> but to watch the transformation of that young man these last few years has been so humbling. His countenance and the Holy Spirit moving in his life. Thanks be to God for that. But listen to this. Amen, brother. You got that right. Gosh, man, come here. Mm, I love you. I love all these, these amazing, gifted musicians. But it's not about them. It's about God using them in a glorious and marvelous way. Do you ever notice that they don't draw the attention to themselves? That the glory goes to God. And that's the way it needs to be and should be. But you know, listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. When you're sitting in your grief and you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to pray, look what the Holy Spirit does. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That tells me that we worship a God who knows how to grieve. We worship a God who doesn't try to minimize the pain of loss. Some of you are going through an incredible amount of health concerns right now. Maybe it's your, your vision Maybe it's your heart or your back or you're struggling because you had to let go of something 
that was very precious to you. We worship a God who has mercy in our times of anger and frustration. We worship a God who knows when to speak and when just to hold us when we cry. Every human heart that has ever lived has experienced grief. And if you haven't, you're going to at some point, and it may be an overwhelming rush that hits you. Making the choice, as I mentioned last week with David worshiping when he lost his son, making the choice to worship in the middle of that pain has the power to transform it into something life-giving and beautiful. I mean, the tears are going to be cried either way. The choice we have is whether to pour our tears onto the feet of Jesus or not. Do you remember this story from Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50? That's a lot of scripture, so we're not going to read it right now. But Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman in the home of a Pharisee, a high and holy religious person, you know, that walks around like this. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen those Bible beaters before, right? Got them in the church, not this church, thanks be to God. But he's in the home of a Pharisee. And this woman comes in, sinful woman. Everybody knows she's sinful. Maybe a harlot. We don't know that for sure. But she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears, and she wipes them with her hair. Can you imagine that scene? Some of you here got long hair. Think about that, getting down and using your hair and your tears to wash the master's feet. That has to be a beautiful scene. And then she kissed his feet. Kissed his feet. And poured perfume on his feet. You know, down... And there's the cross back there. It used to be over there. Thanks for putting it in the center. There's the cross. Down at the feet of Jesus is the most high place. Getting down before him. Crying your tears at his feet. At his wounded feet. He still has the nail scars. They didn't go away. And letting, letting his wounds touch your wounds. You're going to learn a lot about that in this healing series in January. That his wounds touch your wounds and your wounds touch his because he knows how bad it hurts. He knows. When we feel life's deepest pain, we can respond in two biblical ways. First, we can ask our questions. Our Father invites us. Come now, he says. Let us reason together, says the Lord. He says this in Isaiah 118. The Hebrew here is literally translated, let's argue it out. The Lord says that. Let's argue it out. You remember Job, all that stuff that happened to Job? Lost his family, lost his livestock, his farm, everything he owned. And he's got these soul-wrenching questions that were recorded in Scripture. And we can ask these questions as well. Even God's sinless son from the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, so can we. We can cry out to him. It's okay. How do we do this? How do we do this? We continue to seek God together and ask our questions. We can allow our grief to drive us from God, like so many do, or to draw us to Him. We can refuse to trust Him unless we understand Him, or we can understand how much we need to trust Him. You need me to say that again, don't you? Because you're not writing it down. You're not remembering. You can refuse to trust Him unless you understand him, or you can understand how much you need to trust him. Just trust him. Remember that old song, trust and obey? There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust 
and obey you. You don't have to understand it. Just trust that he's got you. He's got you. And we can claim the redeeming providence and compassionate presence of a father who proved his love on the cross and offers himself to all who will taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8. He is always good. You might have read a couple of weeks ago a horrific story about a young pastor who passed away from Highland Park Presbyterian Church. After... Highland Park Presbyterian Church announced the shocking death of their young pastor. This is what they wrote. When we don't know what to do, we are taught to turn to God and pray. So they held a vigil in their sanctuary, and they invited all who, all who could, in their own words, to sit with our grief and pray with us. Invited the whole community. The place was packed out. Just sit with us and grieve with us. That Sunday, the church held this guided prayer in the sanctuary, and they were asking for God to give them wisdom as they grieve and to guide their church through the next steps. And that's exactly who we are as the body of Christ. We want to guide you through the next steps. We want to guide you to how to move forward through your losses, whatever those losses may be. And it's not always just a physical loss. There's job loss. There's health loss, memory loss, all sorts of losses. I've lost a lot of loved ones and friends and church members over the years. I think the list of funerals I've done now is approaching 300. 300, and I've attended that many more, most likely. And although we may think when we lose loved ones, we lose part of ourselves, you may feel that way. I've got a different perspective after being around grief so much. The more and more I've leaned into the Lord during my own time of grief, my perspective is that I don't lose part of myself, but instead my spirit more and more begins the transference process. I like to call it transitioning from this life to eternal life. And to unpack this a little bit more, for me it looks like this. I'm becoming more and more part of the heavenly realm than I am the earthly realm. I'm becoming more and more part of the heavenly realm than I am the earthly realm. So let me ask you something. Have you begun to try and think through the over, under, front, and back stories of your life? It's a good exercise to do, to think through those underlying issues All this stuff that's happened in your life, all this stuff that's weakening you that you continue to dwell on and journal it. What has been the underlying pain there? The difficulty or even travail you've suffered and endured. Journal it, write it out. What's frustrating you and hurting you, causing you pain? How has this unfolded in the front story of the visible movement of God's kingdom in and through your life? How are you being healed? How are you letting go and letting God and trusting him? Not trying to understand him, but you're trusting him. And you're leaning into him. And you're allowing the body of Christ to minister to you and to touch you and to love on you and to help you through this. And not try to do it by yourself because you will fail. There's healing in doing life together. We are living in the story that defines us. It's a story of grace 
in which all brokenness will experience healing. All suffering will come to an end and death will merely be a gateway into everlasting life for those who respond to the love of Jesus. And you want to know something? And to know that his grace always finds us. Do you know that? You can try to hide from him. You can try to deny from him, deny him, but his grace will always find you. You see, he wired you that way to need him and to want him. And if you continue to deny him, he's not going to leave you alone. You might want him to, but he's going to continue chipping away at that calloused heart and that negative attitude until you eventually surrender to the free gift that he offers you. And how do you receive that gift? Stephen, I would love to receive that gift. Man, I'm tired of doing this life alone. I'm tired of spinning my wheels. I'm tired of my dead-end marriage and my, my job and the way I treat my kids. And I'm just tired of all this stuff. You can surrender to him. And you can enter in that gateway that leads from death to life. And then eternal life. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you're a holy God and a giving God. An all-consuming fire. And even when we pass through the waters, you will not let the waves consume us. Even when we go through that fire, as hot and all-consuming it is, you will not let it burn us and take us down. For you have redeemed us. You have called us by name. And so this morning, we cry out to you, Abba, Daddy, and we surrender our hearts, our minds, our souls, our entire being to you. For you are the author and creator, perfecter and pioneer of our faith. You can just say it silently if you want, out loud if you want. Here I am, Jesus. I am yours. You are mine. I give you my heart to you, Jesus. And I will live for you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thank you that your grace has found me. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.